Hello and welcome to Spiritual Side Note. My name is Haley. I don't usually have this accent. It's just what came out when I started speaking. You're good at that. Like, randomly breaking into accents. I do have to say, I don't think I realized how much I did it until... Gosh, this is probably five or six months ago. There was a kid in my fourth and fifth grade class who said she or maybe maybe it was a middle schooler who then went back and they would pick out what their leaders said on a regular basis mm. with their friends and oh what did she say tony said all the time and she went through like tony and hannah and i was like what about me what do i say all the time she was like well, you don't like say something in particular. You just randomly break into different accents. I was like, that's true. I do that all the time. And I'm not very good at them. They just, they're a crowd they just, pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. They're really not. My kids look at me like, okay. What is happening? <laughs> um, I love to live out my weirdness in front of them with all of the gusto. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hello. That's a part of me you may or may not have known. Um, today, we have an Athelia quote. What is it, babe? I put you on the spot before you go Whoa, I have the turnstable. <laughs> uh, so, I honestly, I can't remember if we shared this one already, but it's just so good. I have to share it. So, even if you heard it again, hopefully it makes you laugh or already heard it. Um, hopefully it still makes you laugh, but we were, um, out running errands or dropping off stuff. Um, and Athalia just had had a little bit of an attitude and she wasn't speaking kindly and, and whatnot. And so we're in the car and I was like, Athalia, you need to apologize for the way that you spoke. And, um, she, she kept having an attitude and, and just wouldn't, she really was very adamant about not apologizing. Yes, yeah. So she was, like, kind of snarky and just keeping to herself and, like, I'm not going to apologize to you. It's like, baby, you need to apologize. No. And then all of a sudden she goes, I only apologize on Fridays and Sundays. And it was Friday when we were doing all this. And I go, oh, well, baby, it is Friday. Today's Friday. And she just pauses and goes, oh, well, I'm sorry, Dad. And then just moved on. Like, it was nothing. Like, I was like, you, wait, wait a second. You just made up this, uh, this benign rule for yourself. And then you stuck to it when uh, push came to shove. And then was just fine. Like, her attitude was just gone. Like, oh, it's Friday? Oh, then I have to apologize. So I'm sorry. And we can move on with our lives. Like. But it was like a 15 minute yeah. fit thing like beforehand it was just it was hilarious. We were Haley and I just lost it in the car driving together. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It was really good. That's a good one. I do think we shared it. Like I feel like I'm having a deja vu of doing this. Oh really? But Oops. it's such a good one. Well, and we don't I mean we only have a handful of people I think that listen every week so the odds of Zach Owens, you tell us. Zach Owens, <laughs> Zach Rommel. You guys tell uh, us if we already told that story. Yeah. But we might have also just told it to you. And anyways, moving on. 
This week on Spiritual Side Note, we're talking about angels. That was really vague. We're not just talking about angels, but to be honest, I cannot remember the phrase they used. The mm-hmm. angels came and attended him. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're talking about Jesus in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, actually, this came out of an ISM. Oh, my. Just pulled my tea back right out of my mug. Cool. Sweet. We're off to a strong start on we, this one. We are. Um, mm-hmm. An ISM series, Impact Student Ministry series that Shay and Ben did. Uh, this is back in February. Ben, ben didn't do it in March. That's Sorry, good though. Whatever. Good night. This was like one of the only series where middle school and high school is split. And anyway, the series ended with this yeah, sermon. Yeah, this is the last, last week. Okay. So um, I don't know if you want to give like background context as to how it, it gets to this point with Jesus being attended to um, based off of the other two or three sermons that happened or if you're just going to. Yeah, no. Jump in somewhere else. Yeah, it doesn't take long. Um, But essentially, this is where Jesus is tested in the wilderness. He goes out and he fasts for 40 days. And at the end of the time, um, Satan comes to him and and tempts him. Um, And he tempts him with like physical needs. You know, he says, uh, make this stone bread. Then he tempts him with uh basically approve yourself um jump off and if you are who you say you are then um sorry jump off this high building if you are who you say you are then the angels must save you um and then he tempts him with power and he takes him up on the mountaintop and says i will i will give you all of this um and at the end of that then in verse 11 all it says is um after satan I'm sorry, Jesus says, away from me, Satan, in verse 10. Um, But then in verse 11, it says, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Um, And, yeah, there's just so much, I feel like, in that short verse that um, just speaks to us and speaks to who Jesus is and gives us insight into who Jesus is. Even just like the first part of then the devil left him and the authority of which Jesus has, because in verse 10, he says, away from me. So the fact he says away from me. And then the very next verse, after he finishes his statement, the devil leaves. So like the authority we see in, in who Jesus is and, and the power that he holds that when he commands him to leave that, that Satan had to. Um, so I think that's just something that can easily be missed of like, oh man, like G- Satan is the most powerful thing we will ever go up against. Right? Like that he just is. Um, but thankfully, like we have Jesus and Jesus is more powerful than Satan. And so the scripture also says that he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world, right? That we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, God himself. And so the power and authority that we have um, is that same power. Um, another place in scripture says the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of, of you and me. And so we have that, that authority in the name of Jesus because of who he is. Um, that is just, I think it's worth noting. Like, yeah, when we speak and when G- we see Jesus speak and says, away from me, Satan has, has to obey. Can I put something in there real quick? Sure. So um, I actually did the first sermon for it, 
this mm-hmm. series yeah, yeah. and did the uh, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, but touched on um, like just other pieces that are fluid throughout the whole passage. But one of the things I researched during that time, which I found phenomenal because I hadn't thought about this before is because Jesus is fully God. He has the supernatural power to do whatever, as in he has full authority over Satan just on his own. So he could have, with a word, cast Satan into a different cosmic galaxy, but he didn't. He used the power that we can utilize through his spirit. He didn't do something in his power to exert his authority to make the enemy move in any way that we can't do it. Like he showed us how to battle this great force with the very power that he puts inside of us. And I just thought that was really cool. Like mm-hmm. Jesus could have done innumerable other things to make the enemy flee. And instead he fought in a way that we could follow. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Even the fact that he entered into temptation yeah. was a demonstration to us. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the second part of that verse and angels came and attended him just speaks to his full humanity that he is fully human and mm-hmm. he needed attending. Um, and I think the the two biggest things from this, um, excuse me, the two biggest things from, from these few words that jumped out to me were the aspect of community and the um, uh, cruciality of like soul care that when we fight, like other people can't fight our, our battles. Um, and that's something that's hard to watch. Like when you're the friend or you're the loved one watching other people go through things or struggle through things. Like I can't, for example, I can't fight your eating disorder, right? Like that's only something you can do. Um, but I can be your community that mm-hmm. after a day of, of fighting or, or struggling with something or, or whatever the case may be, like I can be here to um, like console you, but to encourage you, to spur you on, to help you feel seen and loved. And, um, and that is something that we need when we're fighting because fighting takes out, takes it out of us so much spiritually and oftentimes physically, I think too. Um, but especially spiritually and emotionally, usually, um, that we need that community around us. And then the aspect of soul care, like the fact that Jesus needed attending to, um, the phrase there is implying that they brought him food because this Mm -hmm. was at the end of the fast. Um, but like allowing the community to come, come to assist you Mm -hmm. and to receive help. Um, but then the, the idea of soul care as well, that being attended, allowing yourself to be attended, that when you go through those times, it does take it out of you. And therefore you need Mm -hmm. to um, make sure that you're doing things to refresh and restore yourself. Um, so you don't stay in that place. Um, because a lot of times we want to cope and we can fight really well and we can cope really well. Um, but if you stay in that place without refreshment and restoration, then, um, I think it makes it harder to continue to cope well. Um, and so we need those seasons of intentional rest and focus of like, okay, man, I just fought off a lot of temptation of whatever it might be in my, my own story, my own life. Um, but now I need to like go to the source of life and, and be in 
communication with with God and be in his word and be in his presence and be reminded of of his truth and who he is and what he's asking of me and all those things and and we just need to make sure that we're taking that time to be refreshed so that we can be ready to go to battle again um, because it is such a regular fight when it comes to to Satan attacking us um I just want to clarify, because I don't think this is what you meant, but this is what it sounded like to me, that at the end of great temptation is when you go to be restored by God. And I would say we need to be like going to God in the midst of great temptation as well, not like waiting till it's over, because if we wait till it's over, we might not survive it. I mean, yes, I was actually meaning like in a moment of something happening, like you you are fighting that and then once you're removed from that situation you're able to to sit in that but what about jesus fighting temptation with god's word like he was literally using the word of god to fight Mm -hmm. temptation he didn't wait till he was through it to use god's word yeah but that's still fighting i'm saying when the fight is over to be restored in a time of peace like think of going to battle. Like it's either you're you're going to war or you're experiencing times of peace. Like you're... I know what you were saying at the end, but I just wanted to clarify. Like those things still need to be happening in the midst of temptation, because it sounds like you're talking about like seasons of great trial. No, I'm literally talking about like moments in a day type of thing. Hmm. Missed that. I'm still a little confused. Okay. What's your question? Um, I thought I already asked it. Um, okay, so you're talking about Jesus in the desert and how he needed attending to after the great battle of like what all of that was, mm-hmm. right? So I thought because of that stretch of time you were talking about when we're in seasons of trial like that, that we need community and restoration. Oh, I... Correct. Yeah, but I, I don't th- I don't see this as a stretch of time. It I think this all happened in within a day, in less than a day. He was in the desert for 40 days. It yeah, and then that. it says at the end of his 40 I know, days I'm saying, in the desert. Oh. You said because Jesus was in the desert for this amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. Referring to a season of intensity in being attacked. No, 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 that season was rest. That 40 days, he wasn't attacked. It wasn't until the end of the 40 days that Satan came to him. Interesting. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, so it was after he had fasted and was hungry, Satan came. But don't you think that even, like, the fasting portion of saying no would have been a part of a difficult, like, that would have been hard? It would have been hard, but I don't think it was temptation. I think it was intentional. Yeah, I, th- I think that was intentional time with his father that he was doing to spend time in prayer and preparation yeah, for ministry. Yeah, that doesn't make it easy, so. though, especially no. when you're a hungry human. No, I'm not, but I'm not talking about things that are easy and hard. I'm specifically talking about when you are going toe-to-toe with temptation or the enemy's attacks. Like the, that's a different level of toll that takes on your soul. 
I just realized no one can see me shaking my head yes. Oh, the nodding. I, okay. All right. Well. Hmm. Interesting. So what are your thoughts then? It sounds About like you might have a slightly different perspective on it. Well, the way I'm hearing it from you is in this moment of intensity, you just survive and then you go to Jesus. Mm. And the Bible is very clear about the fact we need to be armed. And our armor is his armor. Like mm -hmm. it's his word, his truth. Mm -hmm. So I don't just survive a moment. Like I'm armed and ready. And I think maybe you're saying something similar because then after enduring that, to go back and be refreshed and mm -hmm. put the armor freshly back on or be reminded of what the armor is, like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But I think the way I keep hearing your words is like, well, uh oh, poor guy. Um, Higgy's crying. The like going, quote, toe to toe, the way you said it just made it seem like, yeah, get through it and then you get to rest in who God is and his word when I feel like that is a part of what goes with us into battle. The only thing that we can survive with is. Well, his word does, but rest doesn't necessarily, right? Like I'm not talking. Well, oh. yes and no. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I don't know that that means we always feel rested, mm -hmm. but I think I, even in the midst of a, a battle, I can unburden myself to him, meaning like, okay, God, you're with me. Like, teach me to stand firm, right? Instead of me just standing firm by myself, because I can't do that. Yeah, I think, like, I, I do hear what you're saying. I just think, like, when you're engaged in battle, that's typically not what you're thinking about. And when I'm talking about the rest and the time with Jesus, I think of, like, Psalm 23 of, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. Like, you're not just, like, laying down in green pastures while you're fighting a battle, right? Like you're engaged in, in spiritual warfare and it is the empty spaces of that or the time away from that, the time of peace where you're able to then be led to those places to, to be refreshed. It's not that you're not, it's not surviving or going in unarmed. It's, I can only do this through the power of who Jesus is. And I, I need his word to fight the battle. It's, that's the only reason we, have the ability to to win and to conquer those seasons of temptations i think is because of his authority and his strength within us um but when you're fighting you're usually not experiencing the rest you're experiencing the battle but mm -hmm. i again I, th I think maybe you're thinking of like if I'm in this fight for months or years or whatever, and I'm literally talking about like, no, I'm in a situation where I'm being tempted right now. And in 30 minutes or whatever, when I'm able to leave this situation, I can just breathe in the solace of the present where I don't have to be mentally engaged in battle, trying to ward off this temptation, but I can be in a space of, of rest or whatever the case may be. Interesting. That's the word I was thinking. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So what does soul care look like for you? Mm -hmm. 
Um, <laughs> I since I'm in a fresh season of soul care, meaning that it's portions of soul care stay the same for me, but the way they look can change or certain things can change. Um, like being in the word and in prayer, always a part of soul care, but sometimes the way it looks is different. Prayer, uh, less change in the sense that I really believe it's possible to be in constant prayer the way Paul talks about. And I don't mean like closing your eyes, sitting in your room by yourself, but just the my spirit being constantly surrendered to his spirit, like willing to hear whatever he has to say. Um, because prayer we, in our world, often think is just us talking to God. And that's a portion of it, but prayer is a conversation with God. So it's also listening. And when you're in a state of constant prayer, I'm just realizing how much of that is actually just listening, like mm-hmm. throughout the whole day even while you're driving or cooking dinner or on the phone, like just this God make me aware. Um, and he knows the posture and desire of our hearts and he knows what we need. So just heeding his voice when we hear it and then in intentionally speaking with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has been such a big part of soul care for me because when I'm doing that, one, I'm acknowledging my smallness before him, right? Like I need you. Please lead me. But then he leads me into what I need for my soul. And sometimes that looks like busting out a whole bunch of house projects because I actually need to practice self-discipline for soul care, interestingly, Um, Mm. because I can tilt into not acting in discipline at all um, when I struggle with seasons of depression. So sometimes soul care in seasons of depression looks like getting up and doing something. Mm. In other seasons, it looks like stopping and sitting down. But I can't determine those things on my own because I pretty much jack it up whenever I try to do that in my own um, logic or power. I, In seasons where I feel healthy inside, I can then overdo it because I feel like I have so much energy. So I have to be in that constant state of like, God, what do you want me to do? So that I'm saying yes to what he wants me to say yes to and no to what he wants me to say no to. And then I don't end up in such drastic seasons of burnout or depression because I've been working so hard so long to like do all the things or or even mentally like battling and overanalyzing and yeah um and then reading the word is always like actually I can feel almost like a click into refreshment immediately like Mm. my spirit can feel like and I sit down and read the word and it's just like it is really like a healing balm, like mm. truly, even passages I don't understand. It's God's power in his word is real. I think it's one of the reasons the enemy keeps us far from it. Um, like, oh, I'm not going to understand what it says, so I'm not going to pick it up. Or I didn't have time for it today. Like reading the word every day like has to happen. And yet there are days like I'll, be, I'll wake up. The day after, I forget to read the word. Like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And it's a very consistent part of my life. So just the the ease to, like, not be in a rhythm with it, um, I think is just a powerful tool the enemy uses against us. But, like, to make it regular. Because as soon as I'm in it, it just almost, 
it arms me and yet I feel like a softening inside myself like behind the armor because it's Mm. almost like I get like rigid and bent up in myself like trying to do everything or like feeling anxious or stressed or overwhelmed then I just read his word and he's like like today I just felt like overwhelmed and sad and I felt like God was like don't be anxious about tomorrow Mm. like today has enough worries of its own trust me (laughs) and I picked up my Bible app. I don't often read the Bible on my phone. I don't really like to read on my phone. But I was laying in my bed trying to take a nap and I felt like I couldn't sleep. So I just like grabbed my phone to read the Bible. And um, the verse of the day was literally what God had just said to me. Do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. So I read that whole chapter and just how it talked about like God providing for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, and don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but in heaven. And like, whoa, you literally were, we were in prayer prayer conversation, and then you used your word to confirm what you were saying to Mm. me, and you spoke to me from your word, like confirming your word to me through you. Like it was what I needed to be like, wow, I'm, I don't need to be anxious. And I feel like I, I woke up from my nap in a, quote, nap, I was just laying in bed, <laughs> um, in a better-ish place. Yeah. Like, yeah, so those things are huge. Honestly, sleeping, getting good sleep, going to bed when I'm supposed to go to bed so I can wake up early to be in the Word mm. before the kiddos wake up. Yeah. Um, this might be silly to people who don't like coffee, but a good cup of coffee can be healing, especially if it's, like, in the morning when I'm, like, reading my Bible. Just like that. I don't know. There's something about it. It's just like, wow. Um, That's really comforting to me. Or drinking a cup of coffee with a good friend. Like, Mary Beltman. Hello. (laughs) Um, Mary is one of my dearest friends, and she lives in South Africa, but she just got back to the States um, a few days ago, and we spent several hours together couple days ago and it was just it was yesterday was it really yesterday yesterday. wow it's been a a really long day and a half um but i felt so refreshed even though we spent hours together talking and walking and um talking and sitting and talking like it was so refreshing to do that with someone who pours back into you or is um yeah just a good friend like and I've been blessed with several good friends where I get to do that on a mm. on a fairly regular basis, like with my accountability partner and um, or with my roommate from college when I'm close to where she lives, like being able to stop and and grab coffee. Like there's something about a good cup of warm coffee with a friend that that is powerful. So in physical activity, like I love being outside. I love outside. I love the ocean. I love water. I love our pool. Like doing that either by myself or with you guys, you and the kids, um, is just powerful. Like being in the sun, going for a run, working out, like because those things help balance uh, my body, which helps balance my brain and my spirit. Like they all just feed into each other. Um, this one, I feel like is also nuancy, but eating well is good soul care. And I typically don't in seasons that are hard. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm aware 
more now than ever, like how important that is, not in an eating disordered way, because eating disorders would jack that up actually, but in a way that's like, no, I actually like my body needs good nutrients to help balance mm-hmm. it. And therefore my brain and chemicals in my brain. And, um, it's really easy for me to be dependent upon good tasting food, like French fries and ice cream. Like right now I would literally eat a hamburger and French fries every single day, (laughs) but I wouldn't feel good if I did that. I wouldn't have energy to do the things God has asked me to do. Um, Anyway, so those are a few of the like daily ones. And then the other ones kind of flow depending on the season, whether it's like kayaking weather and I could kayak or painting or, um, landscaping can actually be, I love spreading mulch. Like that's weird, but that could be soul care. Um, yeah, I, that was a lot of things. <laughs> Sorry. No, Guys, good. I'm a verbal so, processor. So welcome, welcome to, to our brain. podcast. <laughs> or the podcast. Um, so when I think of the verse of angels came and attended him, an aspect of us attending, what a, just kind of what does that look like for you? Um, and I know you just shared some of the soul care things, but like when you have been um, fighting off temptation, let's say it's a night where you're struggling with eating disorder um, thoughts, and but you're you're fighting well. Like what does you being attended to look like? Either before you go to bed or the next morning or whatever that might need to be for you. Could you give me an example so I kind of know what you mean? Like from your personal life. Yeah. Um, I didn't want you to go back to Jesus as an example because you just said that and yeah, I yeah, see yeah. you. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um, <clears throat> so I think... Um, a couple, I'll, I'll give a couple different examples. Um, one is when I'm battling like insecurity, mm-hmm. um, just not feeling like enough, um, or like, which this is kind of tied to not feeling like I'm enough, but just comparing myself to other people who do similar things as I do. Um, and just feeling like I'm not as good as they are. Um, I, I've been reminded of, uh, Jeremiah 2, there's a passage that just talks about um, basically looking to people um, to be your uh, your water, your refreshment. Um, so for me, when I find myself almost spiraling mentally um, or starting to like to fight those um, temptations, then I, I like remind myself of that passage like, nope, I don't need to lean into human affirmation to speak to, to my soul. Like my refreshment comes from, from who Jesus is um, and from God alone. And that that's able to almost like be my, my soul care or the, the tending to my soul of like, no, don't let these insecurities um, take you out. Like they're going to happen. Everyone battles insecurities. Um, but don't let them take you out. And so like defaulting to that passage is just such a good reset for me of making sure that I'm monitoring and protecting my soul. Um, The other one I was going to say is like when I'm fighting for control of something, typically, um, at least I think typically, the most common area of control is finances, where I start to stress out about that. And I actually... 
I would say I, while I have gotten better, um, I, I think I lose that fight, quote unquote, lose that fight in the sense of like almost let myself spiral, um, in the area of trying to control finances, at least 50, 50, um, potentially more often than not. Um, I'm trying to have an honest reflection over the last, I would say, year, as I feel like I've grown a lot in the last year in some of those things. Um, and so for that, um, I have to usually spend time like just breathing and surrendering finances to Jesus. And that's the way that I can like tend my soul. But usually that is honestly after anywhere from an hour to 13 hours of stressing can try to control well i was trying to think of like a day like if i start stressing about finances at nine o'clock in the morning because i woke up and i this is my day off and i like paid a couple bills and then i start freaking out um but then usually before i go to bed i usually don't go to bed still stressing about finances at least seeking to control i probably still go to bed stressing but i usually am not in this frantic trying to control finances i've usually worked past that um and so a way that i feel like to to tend my soul is honestly just like breathing and reminding myself that like god is in control even though like i really want it in this area um and just trying to prayerfully surrender um but typically that one actually takes me longer even in the insecurities now. Um, insecurities, I feel like I'm able to catch sooner. Um, but the controlling finances usually takes me longer. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Was that a good enough example to explain my question further? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. Um, so for like the eating disordered thing, uh, in moments of eating disordered mindset, what do I do? Well, um, there have been several passages of scripture that can help. Several of them have been on our fridge and are still on our fridge. It's weird though. It becomes such a part of the landscape of my eyes. When I go to the fridge, I forget to read them sometimes. Yeah. Um, but all of them were from either like a Bible study I was doing during a fasting period or from the sugar fast devotional I was doing that have to do with God satisfying us. Mm. Um, so like, is it Psalm shucks 30? No. Yes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I can't remember. Um, And before that, it says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Mm. And he delivers them. Like just this powerful, like God surrounds me and protects me. And I can taste and see that he is good. He is the one that truly satisfies me. In his presence, there is the fullness of joy. He restores to me the joy of my salvation that he is my daily bread and my living water and the only one that fills me up truly because often an eating disordered something is stemming as a secondary to something else if Mm. that makes sense whether that's anxiety or a fear or control or um a desire to be accepted or dot 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 that 
if I go back to the truth that God alone fills me up and no one can take that fullness away and nothing I can do can deplete his love for me or make him love me more, like every good and perfect thing in my life is from him, he fills me and I don't have to be running to anything else. Like nothing else will satisfy. So there's a lot of it is like biblical truth that comes. And then sometimes just the straight up reminders, like I am not going to feel good if I eat that. Mm. Um, going to bed can actually be super helpful, mm. but sometimes yeah. getting to bed is what's hard because I, uh, for those of you who like don't know this part of my story as well, wanting to overeat is one of the biggest parts of the eating disordered mindset that still often functions in my life. Um, like wanting to eat a lot at night that like I'm just unaware of how much I'm eating that like going to a place of like, nope, I'm just not going to eat after dinner or whatever, like is really hard for me, like super hard. So to actually get through a night without eating, like after dinner eating, there's even been seasons where it's like, well, after dinner we can have a dessert and then I'm done eating that like that is super difficult but when I go to bed and wake up in the morning I just feel this like there's no shame and there's Mm. no guilt there's just this peace I'm almost like I did it like I went to bed and remembering what that feels like Mm. when I actually persevere and get to that point um feels like attending to my soul sometimes I have to straight up text people like I'm really struggling right now just as a Knowing I'll have accountability. Like, yeah. Um, that doesn't happen near as often anymore, which I'm grateful for in the sense yeah. that it hasn't been as bad. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's retroactive where I'm like, wow, I don't even think I realized what I was doing. Mm. I was just acting in control and anxiousness. And I wake up in the morning with a shame or a guilt that's like, what just happened? Um, and having to surrender that shame and guilt. And then... Um, Accept God's grace and forgiveness and choose his power to, to work differently. Um, but yeah, Yeah, that's so hard to, in those times of spiritual warfare, like when you feel like you lost or it was a little bit of a give and take or whatever. Um, it's so hard to truly have received the forgiveness that God gives you and to move forward in his righteousness right like it's like i feel like at least for me it's i want to start backwards in a sense of like okay i'm forgiven but now i have to work hard to get Mm -hmm. back to where i was because i took back control or Mm. whatever um i didn't parent athelia's attitude well and so it's like i have to almost work back to zero and then from there I can move mm-hmm. into growth. But it's like, you no, know, like when we ask for forgiveness and we truly repent and turn away from those things, like um, we are forgiven. And so we can just move forward from that point on. Now with relational things like that obviously takes time to either earn trust back or um, to seek restoration or to go to that person and, and to have true repentance and their forgiveness offered if that is feasible and so those things can take a little bit longer i i get that but with god it's like when you're forgiven it's like you're able to move forward it's so hard for us to think that way Mm -hmm. and to to receive that but um 
Yeah. Do you have any, I feel like you kind of talked about this, especially when you reference like some of the scripture passages, but like, do you have anything when we talk about fighting well, um, anything that you specifically do in times in the middle of spiritual warfare to combat and to fight well? I know we were kind of after the fight looking at the angels attending him, but since we're on the topic, I'm just curious mm-hmm. if you had any any thoughts. Um, hugely, like, scripture. Yeah. Right, and reminding myself of scripture, yes, but actually verbalizing scripture so the enemy can hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to do what Jesus did. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes it's physically walking away. Like, hmm. for instance, if it's a, I want to eat that right now, hmm. like leaving the room yeah, and, and utilizing scripture in that movement, right? Yeah. Like, no, you alone fill me. Um, I think prayer and like listening to God's voice and like, what do you say about this is huge because sometimes the temptation is maybe more subtle, like hmm. spending money on something I don't need to spend money on. It might feel good for a minute or might look cute in my home or whatever that might be. Um, might make me feel like I have more control over, like, my wardrobe or whatever. <laughs> um, that I have to actually stop. And I feel like in those circumstances, I often use scripture less. It's more like, God, what do you say right now? Yeah. And then heeding his voice and saying no when he says no. Um so going there is actually a part of the battle for me because sometimes I don't want to go there so I can do what I want. Yeah. But then I'm still disobeying. Yeah. Like just because I didn't hear God's voice. <laughs> well, no, I actually like knew what you were going to say or I didn't want it, your answer. So I. I intentionally avoided. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so asking God what he wants to say to me using scripture. And if there's not one like coming to mind or that I haven't prepared well that day with like something that goes with me, which I actually like often don't do. Or if I haven't memorized a scripture at the beginning of that day to walk with me, then just like opening up my Bible can actually be like that healing balm, right? Almost like a force shield. That's like, boom. Um, This is actually one of the pieces of advice I've been giving to different people I meet with who are... um, Wanting to pursue giving up something, like whether that's forever or a season of fasting. Um, like one one person I met with, it was like, hey, maybe, what do you think about fasting the YouTube videos, you know? And maybe not everything forever, but when you sense you want to go watch one, why don't you open the word first? Just read the word first. Maybe that's a sentence. Maybe it's five sentences. Maybe it's a chapter. But after we go to God first, there's typically this satiation in me that happens. It's like, oh, yeah, what I what I really wanted was your fullness. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes after that, there's the piece of like, sure, go ahead, watch that YouTube video, right? Like yeah. of the cat doing the thing. <laughs> um, but then sometimes it's like, no, actually eating that thing for me would just be control right now. It's mm-hmm. not like there's not a piece there to consume anything. I really just needed God to fill me in that. So actually opening the word is huge. Um, when the battle is more intense in a longer period of time, I definitely reach out to my prayer partners yeah. and just ask for prayer. 
Um, and there are moments there's an almost immediate relief when mm. people are responding in prayer and already praying for you or when people are contacting you saying they're praying for you and they don't even know what's going on. Like, that's powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those are several. That's good. Several things I do. I also love going back to earlier that you explained a little bit of praying without ceasing. Because I think that that is something that um, so many Christians, when they read that, they're confused by it. And it feels intimidating. Like, wait, what does that look like? So I love that you explained that a little bit of, of what that looks like. And it almost like, this is probably a terrible analogy, but the image I got was like, you know how when you're like on the phone with somebody, but you're both kind of doing something else. Like mm-hmm. maybe you're at the grocery store and and they're I don't know at the bank or whatever. But you're on the phone with them, but then you have to continually like talk to the cashier and like you're talking to the cashier and they're like, oh yeah, and then and then you say something to them on the phone or they say something. You're like, sorry, I was talking with them. I missed that. Can you say that again? Um, like that's almost the the visual I got. Mm-hmm. Um, of again it's kind of a bad analogy but like you're always on the phone with god like doesn't mean you don't interact with people just like in that situation where Mm -hmm. i've totally been that person where i'm like still talking with the cashier or whatever and um but that you're continually trying to stay tuned in to what god is speaking to you because i love that part about the listening aspect that i'm i'm always available like no i'm still on the phone i'm still here um, I'm just waiting mm-hmm. if you have something to say or if I have something to say to you um, in this space. So, yeah, that was cool that you explained that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this part of listening to God that this just popped to mind. I'm not saying that this is a word from the Lord. I haven't gone, like, biblically researching this necessarily. Not necessarily. I haven't, period. <laughs> um, but the... The fact we want to see God do big, amazing, miraculous, powerful things, but we're not attending to his ear, like our ear isn't to heaven, right? Like our ears and open to his voice in our spirit to hear him say, go do this thing so we can watch this miracle mm-hmm. unfold. And what brought that to mind was um, Jim Lowe was doing a sermon I listened to recently about the power of God, and he just brought up several stories, some of which he had been a part of, others that he had just read about, where God told people to do ridiculous things. They were like, God, what in the world are you asking me to do? And I'm just going to share one of them because it was like that, in that moment, I don't know if I would have done that because it would seem so like, Mm. this is stupid. Like, I am coming up with this by myself. There's no way God's asking me to do this. But there's this woman who left somewhere and was like, God, I just want to do whatever it is you want me to do, anything. And God said, turn right. She was like, okay. So she turned right and she drove for a while, turn left. So she did like, she just knew in her spirit, like she was supposed to do these things. And she pulled up kind of like towards a convenience store and God's like, go in there. And she did. And when she was in there, she felt like God said, go over to the cashier and stand on your head. And she was like, no, you what? I'm not what? So she waited for the convenience store to clear out. And then walked over by the counter and said, look what I can do and stood on her head. And the cashier like kind of like tilted his head down and shook his head. And she was like, oh, great. Like now I've upset the guy. And she stood up and he was crying. He was like, I was just pleading with God. If you're real, have someone come in here and stand on their head. Hmm. Like, 
But if she hadn't been listening, yeah. and not just listening, but obeying so yeah. she could continue to listen and hear what it is he had to say, that moment wouldn't have happened. Like, at least in her life, right? Like, maybe God would have used someone else to yeah. do that. But, like, she wanted to know mm. and do whatever it was that God had and being willing to do it no matter how ridiculous it is. Because it doesn't matter what the world thinks. But we have so much of our attention in our eyes, from our ears and our hearts and our spirits, our minds, like, trained on the world. And that's something that God wants to, like, teach us differently in. Mm-hmm. And a part of that is this ceasing or never ceasing in prayer. Like we're just listening and doing whatever it is he has to say that we'll feel like we're very much pushing against culture. Yeah. Even church culture sometimes. And like living in peace and patience and saying no when God says no and it might not make sense to anyone around you and standing on your head when he tells you to because what he thinks matters most um, or what who he is matters most. So anyway, I just think it's powerful to like talk about the power of listening to God's voice. Yeah. Um, and it's not just us talking all the time because, yeah, our words don't matter near as much, though he cares about them. Like, his words are far more important. Um, and he'll lead us where we need to go. So that's what I wanted to say. Well, thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it's been about 50 minutes. We should probably wrap this up. Yep. Yeah. Time for bed. Oh, it's bedtime. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, if it's your bedtime, good night. Have some good rest. <laughs> uh, that's where we are headed shortly. <laughs> um, but thanks for tuning in this week, um, joining our uh, little bit obscure conversation today. But um, Aren't they always, though? Yeah, this one felt a little more obscure. I don't mm. know, maybe not. Um but it did. I just, yeah, I love that passage so much. Just like Jesus was fully human. He required attention and attending to. Mm-hmm. It's just a powerful reminder that who do we think we are that we don't need need to tend to our souls or to be in community and receive that from others when Jesus, as fully God and fully man, needed that as well. So um, anyways, good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, we will talk to you all soon. Yep. Have a great week. Bye.